Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right. Hello, everyone. We have a new episode today. On today's episode, I interview a certified nutritionist, coach, a DJ known as Sister Krista, a former bikini bodybuilding competitor and founder of Living Large Wellness, where she's on a mission to help others achieve real results when it comes to their body, health, and their lifestyle. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Krista Large. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on to just kind of talk about your journey. Um, I met you in Austin, Texas when you were a coach at On and I got to learn a bit of your story there and I've followed it ever since. And um, there's a lot of cool things that I'm excited to talk with you about. And the goal of all these conversations is to uplift, inspire and empower others. And this first question helps set us up on that path. And that is Krista Large, what do you love about your world right now? What I love about my world right now is the amount of freedom and choice that I have and opportunity to make it happen. Being 31, uh, living in Texas and just having, I just feel like I have the world at my fingertips right now and I, I do my best to soak up every little last bit of it. Beautiful. Um, what brought me to Texas was a course called Go For Your Win. And what I learned from that course was going for your win to me um, is enjoying the journey, enjoying the process rather than being destination focused, which a lot of people um, place a lot of attention and energy on when I get that job, when I get that house, when I get that car, when I get that whatever, that relationship, et cetera, et cetera, then I'll be happy. And then we get there and then it's always in now what? So to me, going for your win is just really delighting in the process, enjoying the ride, enjoying the journey. What does going for your win mean to you, Krista? And what does that look like in your day to day? For sure. Two things to come to mind there. I have this huge fear in life of being vanilla, just basically boring, fitting in, dull. I mean, there's flavor there, but not a ton. So it's my journey and part of my brand of living large is to, you know, take that bowl of vanilla ice cream and put sprinkles and gummy bears and all the toppings on it. And that's, that's really about experiencing the most out of life. And, and that is too staying present in the moment and making sure that it doesn't just pass you by too. Mm -hmm. So where do you feel this fear came from? This fear of being dull vanilla, where, where did that become implanted in your, into your reality? Yeah, this is something that's only recently surfaced for me. I actually had a period of my life, probably about... I don't know, five or six years where I legitimately thought that I was dumb and I would tell myself that I was dumb and I had friends tell me that I was dumb and I was bullied a little bit. And 
because I was thinking all these things, I would also, you know, manifest certain outcomes into my life, like getting bad test scores. And, you know, my self-confidence was pretty low for the longest time until I realized one day waking up that I, I, you know, needed to take responsibility and, and that I needed to change my thoughts and that I'm not dumb. And so, you know, being vanilla to me kind of correlates with that, that uh, mindset of, of a lack, a, a lack that I had. And so, you know, that's why I don't ever want to go back there. Mm -hmm. So how was that awareness created? Like, when did that like aha moment when you realize, though, like, I'm doing this to myself, I'm placing these self-limiting beliefs that's um, decreasing kind of my enjoyment of life and experience right. of life? Yeah, so I took it pretty far. And, you know, I, I went to college, my grades were okay. But I honestly had a goal to find a husband who was pretty well off and get married. And that was my ticket. And I thought I would have it made once I did that. And I actually ended up getting engaged in college and I almost dropped out of college at the age of 21 during my senior year. Woke up in the middle of the night. I'm not even kidding. It was the first week of school on a Wednesday and said, oh my God, what am I doing? I packed all my stuff up got in the car, drove to Mississippi and I'm on the call. I'm on the phone with the registration. Like, Hey, is it too late to enroll for class? Like I'm a you know, former student here and, uh, yeah, got, got back to school. The divorce or not divorce, excuse me. The engagement ended up getting called off. And, you know, during the time my family was pretty upset with me. Cause I was just, I'd gone off the rocker, almost dropping out of college and I, you know, took out a bunch of student loans and said, I don't ever want to ask my parents for money again. I am going to start running and just change my entire life. So that was that moment was uh, back in college when I decided to re-enroll. Wow, that's such a beautiful story that I'd love to learn more about. So was that like heart led? Brain led or like what? Where did that knowing come from that? pushed you in that direction yeah I mean it must have been it must have been God uh intuition just waking up in the middle of the night like I said it was I, I knew something was off and I knew something was wrong and I knew that I was unhappy but like I said I had low self-confidence at the time and uh yeah just waking up in the middle of the night and kind of freaking out it was almost like I was watching my all of this happen without like being in my body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what role, like this must've been like, if I put myself in your shoes, like I'd be very like fearful of, okay, if I do this, like what's my life going to be? There's going to be so much unknown. So how did you encounter fear? How did you, what did you do when that fear arose? Which I'm sure it did at some point in this, in this drastic change. Yeah, that was the moment I honestly, I found fitness. So because I didn't want to ask my parents for any money, I had this like trek bike that I used to just like ride to campus because I didn't want to ask for gas money. And I started running. I started, you know, running. I could barely run a mile at that point. Decided to sign up for a half marathon. And that was really my entry point into 
fitness. And then you, somewhere along the line, I don't know how, when this came in, is you got a job working as a fitness trainer at Onnit. So how did you get from point A, leaving this relationship, deciding to build yourself back up from low self-confidence, low self-worth to um, a coach at Onnit, and then we'll continue from there. Yeah. So it started with running, started running. I love that. And then I had this, a crush on this boy who did CrossFit and I wanted him to like me. So I started doing CrossFit too. (laughs) And one day I was still in college at this point, I'm sitting outside of the, an organic chemistry tutoring session and I'm drinking a protein shake and my TA comes up to me like, Oh, you lift. We started joking around together. I was like, yeah, he invited me to come lift with him and he was like, Hey, I don't know if this sounds weird or not, but you have a really great frame to do bodybuilding. And I had never really heard much about bodybuilding. I'd seen, you know, posters of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, uh, he showed me pictures of him with his tan and I was like, Oh, whatever, dude. But I mean, I had an extra semester of college to, I basically had one class left and I had two part-time jobs And at that point, you know, I wanted to, I knew that I was, I needed to do something big. So I signed up for that competition, you know, train my ass off for 20 weeks, lost 20 pounds in the process, like ate nothing but whole foods and ended up winning my first competition. And just being up on that stage taught me that, you know, if I can get up on stage and get judged for the way my body looks, I can really do anything that I want. So, you know, at that point I graduate college. Meanwhile, during that time, I did not get matched for a dietetic internship. I was a nutrition student at the time, but the application process and the matching process was so competitive that I didn't, I didn't get matched. So I wanted nothing more in the world than to become a registered dietitian, but it didn't work out. So I ended up moving to Houston My family has worked in oil and gas my whole life. I ended up getting a job as a document control specialist at an oil and gas company and wasn't the most glamorous job, but you know, it was a job. Throughout that time, I started teaching classes at Lakewood Church because I lived right down the street in nutrition, which was a cool experience. And then I knew that I wanted to move to Austin. I would always drive up to Austin on the weekends and Honestly, I had trouble making friends in Houston too while I lived there. So I wanted something new. I went online and I found this company called Onnit. And I looked at the website, fell in love with, with the brand and what it represented, checked the op- job openings. And what do I find is a opening for a document control specialist. <laughs> so I applied for the job, started working for the company, They changed my job title on day one to quality assurance. And uh, at my time at Onnit, I got free education, which was such a blessing, free fitness education, and pretty much just started taking every single fitness cert that I could, spending almost every single weekend there. Ended up racking up over 15 while I was there and 
loved fitness so much that I decided to move away from the quality assurance and, and move into this you know, full-time role as a trainer there. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, on it is such a premier facility where such great coaches and athletes go to train. So let's talk about some of the learnings. What did you learn as a coach at Onnit um, in terms of fitness, but also just working with high performers? I feel that I was extremely blessed to be entering into such a high level of education. And I didn't even realize it either at the time to, you know, basically get that level of, of coaching and level of awareness of what's, what's out there. I consider like, you know, like a basic fitness level, like ACE or NASM, and there's nothing wrong with that, but like on it, it's definitely more of like a specialized coaching and, and education system too. So uh, it, it uh, shook my world to be able to be in a gym with, you know, athletes, celebrities, and just to see everybody move and move so well, it was, it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And of all the trainings you take in there, um, which, which ones are some of the ones you most appreciate? I'm sure you appreciate them all, but what were some of the top trainings that you attended there and why? Hmm. Yeah, the, my favorite one was the barbell certification, simply because I think when we, when most people look at a barbell, you see, you know, your pretty standard lifts like deadlift, squat, bench press. But when you spend an entire 20 hours in a weekend learning about how many different things you can actually do with just basically a straight bar it's, and how much you can wreck your body with just a straight bar and 45 pounds, it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So Krista, what does your fitness routine look like for you today? Yeah, so I'm training right now with actually somebody that you know uh mr sean powers okay great yeah and he yeah. has me he has me you know becoming what i can define on my own as becoming an alpha and that's doing this you know muscle 360 program right now it's very the basically working every single degree of the muscle so my bicep day is, is pretty insane. It's like seven different supersets. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm in the gym, I would say about six days a week training, weightlifting. And I'm also doing the hard 75 right now too. So all, all that comes along with that. And my ultimate goal with fitness sounds a little bit vain, but like I said, I want to soak up and, and, and do my best at everything, but I would love to be on a cover of a magazine or be some type of swimsuit fitness ma uh, model. Fuck yeah, I see that for sure. Keep Why on. not go for the top? Heck yeah. Heck yeah, I see that. I see that. And how amazing that you're training with Sean. He's been a guest on this um, podcast twice now, and he's such a great guy, such a legit trainer. So what a dynamic duo, totally. the two of you together. Um, you mentioned the hard 75 and that's something you've done a few times now um, and you just started this new year and that's something I'm super excited to talk with you about so just explain really like what is that hard 75 and what has that looked like for you so far but that's just another one of the badass things that you are doing um, as you continue to elevate and raise the bar for yourself and, and what is possible totally thank you so the hard 75 for anybody who doesn't know 
it basically consists of six different disciplines. Discipline number one is that you must drink a gallon of water every day. Discipline number two is that you must work out twice a day for 45 minutes each, but one has to be outside. Discipline number three is that you must read a nonfiction growth-oriented book, just 10 pages per day. Discipline number four is that you must take a progress picture of your body every single day. Discipline number five is that you pick a diet or commit to some sort of dietary commitment and uh, follow it. And then number six is not drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. This is so awesome. So I, I want to go through each one and we'll kind of discuss each one, what you've learned um, from that challenge. So what is the first one again? Drink a gallon of water. Sure. So why is that important? And like, talk to about what you've learned from that and what you know about that and how you advise your clients on that. Sure, sure. So well, number one, I live in Texas, so it can get pretty hot here. And especially when you are working out twice per day, drinking a gallon of water is actually pretty easy. Uh, on the other hand, if you're not drinking enough water, uh, li likely you are dehydrated and you're not able to detox your body in the way that it needs to get rid of all the chemicals and pesticides and, and whatever else you got going on in your body. So super important. We're 70% water. It's important that we're getting enough in. Yeah, absolutely. Then you mentioned detox, like drinking water is a great way of detoxing as is sweating, which you do with your physical activity. What are some other ways you like to detox? Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, that's, the, that's the, it. The three ways that our body detoxes is uh, poop, pee, and perspiration. So, um, you know, obviously making sure that we're doing all three of those daily is going to be the best way. Uh, another, my favorite form of detoxing is infrared sauna. Getting in there 45 minutes at a time, twice to three times a week. Nothing feels better. Yeah, it feels great. Or like a hot yoga class for me, like a yin yoga, restorative yoga. Oh, that's perfect. So um, number one, drink a gallon of water. Number two, Number two, and I may botch the order a little bit, but That's that okay. is reading 10 pages of a book, a nonfiction book every day. So what, what, are, what are you reading and what are some of the most influential books that have guided you on your journey that you'd just like to shout out? And what did you learn from them that you incorporate into your uh, coaching and into your being now? Sure. So this, this one, especially having the old narrative that I was, you know, dumb and not a, a, a good learner, not, not a good student. This was challenging for me at first. I was a little bit slower when I started reading, but having that discipline and doing it every day, I can say now that I, I breeze through books and I, I love learning and I love reading. So for anybody out there that's listening and, and thinks that they'd rather listen to audiobooks or that they're a bad reader, they can't focus. It's, it's really about getting those reps in just like anything else, but you can become a, a great reader. Um, so one book that I'm actually learning right now, which I think you would love reading right now is called Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. And it's all about how to tell better impactful stories in your life. I'm living that one right now. Storyworthy. I've never heard of that. I'll check that out. By Matthew Waller. Matthew Dix. Matthew Dix. 
great. Any other books that have really inspired you on your path that you can think of some of your favorite books that um, you recommend to friends or clients? Totally. So one book that completely changed even my coaching practice now is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And then also the book called Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. Okay. Um, tell us a bit about what you learned or the main takeaways from Atomic Habits habits and then the one by bj fogg yeah so similar to what you said earlier how sometimes we focus so much on like when i get there or like what the end of the journey looks like in the coaching world that can be described as like an outcome well you know generally we can't control the outcome of what happens but what we can control is our behaviors and what we do and, you know, behaviors can also be interchanged with habits and also actions. So if we're really maximizing what we're doing, we don't even have to really necessarily focus on the outcome. So with, with Tiny Habits in, in particular, it, he has this powerful message in the beginning. And he says, you know, you can do anything that you want to do. It's just about having the right design and the right setup. So that one's been empower, empowering for me and my coaching practice. And for anybody else listening who's a coach and working with people one-on-one, -on -one, read that book. It will change the way you operate. Tiny habits? Tiny habits, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so drink a gallon of water, read 10 minutes of uh, a book or inspiring book, I believe, right? 10 um, pages. Number yeah. th 10 pages. Number three. What's number three? Yeah, work out twice a day. One has to be outside each for 45 minutes. Okay, and we already kind of talked about your workout. You've been working out with um, Sean. Um, so, and it, like, that's great. We get, we keep it at that. Number four? Number four is taking a picture every day of your body. This one is the most annoying one, but it's all often. So I've, this is my fourth time doing the Hard 75 Challenge. And I've only successfully completed it once. Both times that I failed, I forgot to take a picture. So it's oftentimes the most forgotten one at the end of the day, if you just don't remember to do it. But the purpose behind it is that, you know, when you see change and when, when you're tracking change, especially with health and fitness and watching what you eat, like things just don't happen overnight. So when you're able to have progress and see progress, that's really the key to staying motivated, in my opinion. When we see results and we know that what we're doing is actually making a difference, that is what keeps us going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And taking pictures, I think it may trigger stuff in certain people. Um, and that's in terms of body image. Um, and as a figure competitor where you are judged on the way your body, body looked and as a female fitness trainer, that's just a part of the world. So what have you learned about like body acceptance, um, just by these pictures and just by your growth in fitness and just learning about, um, yeah, the body, body image. Yeah, sure. So something that I like to say is, you know, you're not the way your body looks. You're not the number on the scale. You're not your body fat percentage. They're simply just curbs on the road of where you're going. They help you stay on the right path and you can use them as tools to see if you're, you know, bumping out of, out of range or, or if you're on the direct path that you're going. So looking at it objectively, like a, a science experiment, if you will, 
that having that sort of eye and that kind of curiosity kind of just separates you from from the emotion from it is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. And you work with like a lot of female clients and how do you advise them on just judging beauty standards? Because um, like there's a image in like the media that like a, a fit woman should look like this. What are your thoughts? What does a fit woman look like to you? What does a beautiful woman look like to you? Mm. One thing that I like to do when I'm first working with someone and we're having our very first session is get them absolutely clear on what they want. And so sure, we'll talk about, you know, what they want their body to look like, but it really comes from this inner feeling and this inner, inner emotion. So one thing that I'll have them do is I'll have them in their mind, go to a different place in, in time, generally forward to when they just absolutely know that their health is in alignment. And we describe basically every little detail about that. And sometimes it's, it's not about the way that you look. It's about that inner confidence that you have. It's about, you know, the activities that you're doing in your daily life, whether that's, you know, hiking 14ers in Colorado, or that's just simply running in a sports bra. So basically allowing each person to paint that picture of what that looks like for them. And it really just takes away from, you know, the general biometric data, like body fat and uh, tape measurements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. right on so number four take a picture of yourself every day and this mm-hmm. is where you stumbled and are you're still on track where you're 75 right now yes perfect okay so number five what is number five um so we have the water we have the picture we have the reading yeah um, fitness. pick a diet and follow it talk about that what have you learned about diet um someone that's so passionate about wellness and fitness like yourself, undoubtedly has spent her time researching what is the best diet for you over the years. And so far, what have you learned? I've learned that it goes so deep. It goes way deeper than I ever thought since, you know, being, I've been learning about nutrition for the past 13 years and I've done Mm -hmm. various different types of testing on my body. For example, DNA testing, like they have certain vitamins and nutrients and things that we can see based on our DNA that can tell us how our body processes saturated fat and caffeine and melatonin and stuff like this. But you can also look in the realm of, you know, what is happening in our gut too. Um, you know, a lot of people out there have dysbiosis in their gut and they're asymptomatic and they're not aware that, you know, the, maybe they have this bug that they contracted through water that's messing with their protein absorption, or maybe they have like a, or hormonal imbalance due to some environmental toxin that they're using. So, you know, that can go really deep with the testing, but, you know, just in in general too, I mean, the human body can, can survive on a lot of different diets. Uh, my, throughout my lifetime, I was a raw vegan for an entire year and I once ate 172 bananas an entire week. Uh, and I felt great, but you know, right now I'm not eating any vegetables and that's pretty cool too. So it's ever evolving and it's, it's pretty fun to play with, but I would say as like a general consensus, if it was alive at one point, it's probably safer to eat. Beautiful. 
Um, it's just very, very interesting how you explain that. Like you're treating your nutrition as like an experiment and you're trying all these different diets, just learning all along the way. Along the way, what would be the foundations that you've discovered? Let's say the top three foundations that you'd recommend the clients. You mentioned one, make sure that like if, like if it's alive, if it lived before, that's a good direction. What are another two? Yeah, sure. So number two is always eat foods you like. Life's too short. Like if you don't want to eat celery, don't freaking eat celery. So number one, yeah. make sure you eat foods that you like. Number two, eat based on your digestion. So it'll be pretty obvious if you eat something and you feel tired after you feel bloated or gassy or what have you. So eat based on your digestion. Uh, eat foods that support your goals too. So whether that is a short-term goal to, you know, test your one rep, one rep max for deadlift or, you know, to live to 104. And then number, okay, just one more for you is to basically have foods that you can eat moderately and sanely. So if you know that you're going to go ham on a jar of peanut butter, it's probably better that you don't keep that kind of stuff around if you're going to feel guilty and shameful after. So um, on your diet right now, you're not eating vegetables. What's your favorite thing to eat right now? What are some of your favorite things that you're eating? Yeah, I right now am eating a lot of fish. So like mahi-mahi is really delicious. I love a grass-fed ribeye, chicken sausage, keeping it pretty, pretty simple. I do, I do, oh, I have a ton of fruit right now, which is really fun. Uh, bananas, apples, honey. Yeah. A, a question that I'm interested in hearing from you, um, since you used to work at Onnit and like they, you have tons of supplements and you as an employee used to have access to those. Um, what does your supplement intake look like now that you don't have this like a, a, abundant supplements at your disposal? Like, and how important, like how important do you think supplements are in a diet? Totally. The way that I like to look at supplementation is goal-based. So before you can, I mean, before you really do any sort of supplementation, you want to ask yourself, what is the goal? Like, what am I trying to achieve here? So currently I have been dealing with some gut problems. I had some dysbiosis earlier this year. And so I'm working on, you know, killing some bugs in my body and expelling those. So I'm taking a lot right now to get rid of that. But, you know, always to in short, just always have a goal in mind when you're taking something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gut health is something um, I'm super interested in learning more about and trying to gain more knowledge of. So let's share some of the knowledge um, you've, you've learned rebuilding your gut biome. Yeah, totally. Step number one, if you think that there might be going something going on in your body, whether or not you have digest, digestive issues at all, the number one place to start is to get a stool test done. And I recommend the stool test called the GI map. It's not a fun process, but it is like looking at a window, like through a window into your health. It's going to tell you exactly you know, how your digestion is. It's going to tell you if you have any parasites, if you have any worms, if you have any opportunistic bacteria, what your normal flora looks like, if you have any leaky gut, if you have any sort of, 
you know, gluten intolerance, what your immune system's doing. So it's, it's, it's super cool to look at. Um, so I'd recommend starting there testing instead of guessing, because a lot of times when we start taking, you know, probiotics or antibiotics, we could actually make our problems worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't even really know. I kind of heard about that testing, but don't know much about it. Like, is that something you do online or you go to the doctors? Like where, like, yeah. So you would want to work with somebody who's, you know, certified and eligible to basically order the test and be able to help you out with a supplement protocol too. It's something yeah. that I've been recently dabbling into. And I have a partner that I work with that helps me not only interpret the labs, but also helps me formulate a specific plan and then all introduce the dietary changes that a person would need to feel better. Right on. So let's go on to the sixth and final item of the daily task on that hard 75. Yeah, that's avoiding alcohol for 75 days. Okay, so let's talk about this. Why, what, what is the issue with alcohol? What is your, and then what has your relationship with alcohol looked like in the past? And what does it look like today moving forward? Sure, yeah. So with the alcohol, I mean, especially when you're trying to reach body goals, my kind of theory on it is it's, it's not exactly helping for some people. It hurts a little more, it hurts a little less, but it's not exactly helping you achieve your goals. Um, there are a lot of fun things about alcohol, but at the end of the day, it, it really is poisonous to our body. So I try and look at it like that. I've had you know, ups and downs with alcohol. I'm kind of a, actually, you know, even, even this, this moment in my life, when I imagine when I've, when I've made it in life, I actually have a margarita in my hand, which is interesting to think about, but, um, yeah, it's, it's in and out for me. It's something that I, I, it's, it's a low vibration drug in my opinion, but used responsibly. It can, it can be enhancing. Personally, I don't use much alcohol, and um, I, I definitely see what you say. It's a very a low vibration drug, but it, I, you can have fun, like that, that. Like you said, that martini um, in a chair. Like I still enjoy alcohol, and, and in its time and place, and with balance, I think it can be great. Um, in Canada, cannabis is legalized. Um, so a lot of people are moving from alcohol to cannabis, which I believe has a lot more benefits um, than alcohol. Although like anything, it can be abused, but anything can be abused. Um, eating, <laughs> like really? a lot of people in North America, eating, social media, TV, workalism, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So any, anything can be abused. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cannabis is here legal and I, I much prefer that myself, especially CBD in terms of, um, my inflammation and just reducing nerves. Um, what is your experience with, um, cannabis and other plant medicines? Cause I know that is like big in the circle that you are, um, a part of and in the wellness field, and this more and more information is coming out about the benefits of. Um, psychedelics such as psilocybin mushroom ayahuasca dmt all the, all the ones that i've experienced and have benefited myself so what is your experience in this in this field it's kind of it's this is wild that we're having this conversation because tonight once i get off this podcast i'm checking into an airbnb and i'm going to do my first 
MDMA assisted therapy tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so personally, that's been my favorite favorite form of you know drug to take. I've never had a bad time on it, but I've never used it in a therapeutic way. I've really taken it at, for, at raves and just to have a good night. But tomorrow, yeah, I'm gonna you know use it as like a, a truth serum and a powerful release. I don't really know what's gonna happen, but looking forward to using that. Yeah, no, I'm super excited for you. That's gonna be an incredible experience. Um, for those not familiar with what um, that is, an MDMA psychosexual therapy session, can you just kind of um, let the listeners know um, yeah. on what you can expect tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. So. MDMA has many different street names. Some may call it Molly. I'd, I'm not going to call it that simply because it, I'm not taking it from some dude with a backpack at a rave. <laughs> but, um, you know, MDMA, it's been used in a lot of different settings, like for soldiers with PTSD. And there's been a lot of clinical trials. So we're going to use a very safe and clean form tomorrow. You know, I was expecting, like I rented this cool place with like a fuzzy rug and it's all bohemian and it's by the lake and was expecting to, you know, roam around. But my therapist is actually telling me, no, we're going to be inside mostly. You're going to have eye shades on and we're going to go really inward. There's going to be an altar and I'm there to guide you with, with music and, and reminding you of your intention so it's, I'm expecting, I'm going to drop in tomorrow at 10 a.m. and expecting to go on till about 4 p.m. So it's about a six hour journey. Wow. That's so amazing. We'll have to have you on, like, I don't know, and in 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 like later on to discuss sure. like all the downloads you get from this, because that's going to be super exciting to well, see what you learn and then how you incorporate that into your being, into your coaching. And no, that's super awesome. I'm excited for you. So we've now discussed all six elements of the hard 75. Um, what have you learned from undertaking it this time and in the past? What, why do you keep on coming back to this practice? Yeah, just going back to the habits, which essentially is what the hard 75 is. You know, we can make it out to be a bigger deal than it really is, but at the end of the day, you're executing and you're taking action in so many different areas of your life. And when we put that much focus and we're working on so many things at once, it just compounds like interest. So I choose to do it every year at the beginning of the year because it's a little bit more quiet in Austin. There's a little less going on, but yeah, it's, it's really the time to feel super clear, super disciplined to, you know, spend my time working on, on, on things that I have the time for. Uh, I feel like when I'm doing the hard 75, I'm, I'm learning, but I'm also, because I'm so disciplined, I also feel more confident to be able to take on other things because I know that I'm a scheduled regimented person. I can handle this or I can't handle this. So it's, it's really cool to be able to, you know, have this as a foundation and also welcome in new opportunities. Mm -hmm. And of these new habits, um, what is like the primary one that you're trying to make a regular for yourself? Like, what, do you, what is the habit you're most working on right now? And why is it important? 
Yeah. What's wild is even when I'm not doing the hard 75, I'm still doing the hard 75. Mine is taking the picture because I just, it's kind of annoying, especially as a female, like dudes kind of have it easy. They can just take off their shirt and snap a pic, but it's a yeah. little more complicated for females. But yeah, yeah it, it's really when, when you are that focused on implementing things, especially for, you know, two and a half months, those habits stick and they're really hard to break. One thing that comes up time and time again, and author Stephen Pressfield calls it resistance, and that's that negative force in that world that keeps us um, from fulfilling our dreams. It's that voice in our head that says, "No, don't like you would stay in bed another ten minutes more. Or, oh, you could just skip out. You could skip the workout today. Or oh, you don't need to do that second workout. You worked hard this morning, um, or whatever that voice may sound like for you." But um, how have you? What do you deal with that resistance? Yeah, first, what does that look like for you? And how do you deal with it? How do you deal with that resistance that makes you not want to step into the unknown, not want to push yourself to become more? Mm. Something that's coming to mind right now that's a little bit more of my story personally. So at one point in my life, I suffered with binge eating disorder. And I was, you know, coming home from work, eating, you know, like 2000 calories in a meal, uh, stress eating, I had a lot of anxiety and panic attacks at the time. And I let this go on for about a year and a half until I realized that the way that I was taught to change it is that, you know, I had this little voice in my head and it's actually in all of our brains, it's our lizard brain. And this part of our brain is the oldest historic part of our brain that only cares about killing things, having sex and eating. So for me, where I've seen this, this voice come up for me is I kept having this little voice that's saying like, oh, you can, you can eat that. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not full. Like, yeah, sure. You can have that or whatever it was telling me to do, like one more bite, one more meal, like and so once I learned to shut that voice up, that's actually when I stopped, stopped binge eating. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a whole book on it too called Never Binge Again that I recommend to anybody struggling with binge eating disorder. But, you know, that, that little voice in my head, you know, I feel like, you know, if it only cares about having sex, killing things and eating, it could also be, you know, applied to, to other things. Like maybe I don't want to, do something I'm able to like compartmentalize that shut it up and do the thing that I said I was going to do mm -hmm. how did you learn how to like shut that voice up and just let it pass on by like what what skills did you like how did you do that like how do you recommend doing that yeah so with the binge eating in particular no just with the just voices in general just kind of those like thoughts that are holding you back um yeah so this is kind of funny actually my friend has this candle and it has a picture of jesus on it and it says i light this candle with the intention of doing what i said i was gonna do instead of being a little bitch <laughs> so, <laughs> so i just think about like in those moments where maybe i don't want to go to the gym you know i what's what's the alternative either i do what i said i was gonna do or you know that that little voice that inner bitch wins 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So another really exciting thing that you embarked upon that I'd like to talk about is pursuing your passion for music as DJ Sista Krista. Tell me about that. How did this come into manifestation? Yeah, I've loved house music since I was 17 years old. And if you're not familiar with house music, it's a form of electronic music, really popular for like, you know, loops and it's played in a lot of clubs. It's, it's so fun. I love the music because it's, it's really about pure joy. I dance every time I hear it. It just, it's uplifting. They talk about love and unity and having fun. So that's why I love it. I have listened to it my entire life. And in 2020, I was working with one of my nutrition clients who I found out was a really badass DJ in Austin for 25 years. And, you know, one day he, we started becoming friends after we were done working together and he DJed a party for us. And I actually have a list of hundred goals that I want to accomplish in my life. And one of them was DJ a party. And so remembering that goal in my mind, I walked up to him and asked him if he would teach me. And uh, he taught me and I decided, okay, if I'm gonna actually get good at this, I need to invest all that money in the equipment. And as soon as I started you know, paying for it, I was like, okay, I really gotta learn this. And being a woman DJ is really rad because it's traditionally a very male dominated hobby. So right off the bat, I just started getting opportunities to play, play for free. My first money ever made with her DJing was a Corona seltzer <laughs> at these like lake parties that we would have. But yeah, I, you know, it's been a really fulfilling, successful side hustle for me ever since. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Congratulations. That's so Thank awesome. You. So what role did fear play in this? Like, did fear ever arise in you becoming a DJ, like from just that onset of saying, yeah, just admitting to someone, yeah, I want to do this. And then to playing your first free show and then paying your first um, paid show and then promoting yourself. Just where did fear um, come into this and what did you do with it? Yeah, I can nail this down to a single moment. It was when I was learning, my friend was teaching me, I had my hands, I have one hand in my pocket and I wasn't moving my body. And I was just so awkward. And like, you look at this, you know, CDJs and there's so many knobs and buttons. Uh, it's really overwhelming. And he was like, hey, move your body, feel the beat, feel the beat. And it was just about like moving and like feeling it and being more in flow with it rather than like taking it on. And so once mm -hmm. I started doing that, it started just like loosening up and, and enjoying the process of learning and, and, and playing. Amazing. Yeah. So what, what have you learned from stepping into like the DJ world, becoming uh, a DJ, Sister Krista, what have you learned from that realm that you've brought into your realm as a coach and in fitness? You can really do any anything that you want to be able to do is, you know, if you put your mind to it and you are resourceful, you can find the people that will help you 
Learn. Absolutely. And a killer playlist for your classes now I'm sure even more so. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> so let's talk about some of those people that have helped you learn, the mentors and helpers. You've mentioned you've a few through this conversation, but who are some of your key teachers and key mentors that have really influenced you on your path, Krista? And what were the things from them that you learned most that you've incorporated into your being as a human, as a coach, et cetera? Totally, totally. So I'm going to first start with my mother. My mother had me at 16 years old and I watched her instead of having this like tragic, call it what you want to call it, 16 and pregnant story. I watched her really step up to the plate and, you know, take care of me and, and, and find her own career and, and make her own money. So that was really cool to be around such a powerful woman. Number two, my organic chemistry TA for you know scooping me up he was able to train with me every single morning for 20 weeks straight at 6 a.m really taught me everything like initially about weightlifting and I transformed a lot throughout that process uh my boyfriend Eric Anderson for encouraging me to be an entrepreneur when I didn't think it was possible and uh, you know he's been doing it for a while so it was cool to say, okay, if he can do this, I can do this. Uh, I would say the Onnit Academy for teaching me a lot about what I know with, you know, fitness, education, how to do things, how to work with clients. Precision Nutrition was the certification that I went through. I hands down recommend that. It's so affordable and so digestible, even for somebody who has no, like, prior knowledge of nutrition. That was really cool. And my own intuition, allowing that Beautiful. to be said. Yeah, thank you. No one's ever said that before. And I love that answer, my own intuition, crediting, yeah. giving yourself that pat on the back because you sure deserve it. Sure. Um, so you mentioned um, becoming an entrepreneur and that's what you have become with your brand, um, Living Large Wellness. So share about what that is. What are you doing with your new brand um, that you've created for yourself, that you've paved the way for? Yeah, totally. I've been a nutritionist for just a little over two years at this point, even though I've been studying it for a long time. And I, I love working with people one-on-one. -on -one. I typically work with people on a 90-day basis. I found that that's just enough time to give them the right amount of education and the right amount of consistency and uh, to see a good amount of change too. Uh, yeah, specializing in habit change and implementation and helping them basically define what it means to live large on their own terms and what they wanna do. Cause it's not, I mean, sure. It's about the body and it's about the health, but it's really about what you can do with that body and what you can do with that health and you know, what, what that foundation allows you to do in your life. So that's, that's really the, the stuff that I love doing is opening their eyes. Like, yeah, sure. It's about the food. It's about the fitness, but it's about so much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. What does living large mean to you, Krista? Yeah. Living large to me goes back to, you know, that like not being vanilla and, and really getting the most experiences out of life. 
as I mentioned, I have a, a, a list of a hundred goals that I want to accomplish in my life. Yeah. I actually have about 68 written down with, you know, I have some life to live hopefully, but for, to me, I mean, whenever I feel lost and I'm feeling uninspired, I go and reference that list and I'm like, okay, like I can tackle this next. And some of these goals are very weird and easy. Like I want to roller skate around a city one day, or I want to squash wine grapes with my feet or learn to sh saber champagne. And then some of them are a little bit more serious too. Yeah, so. and one one is be on a podcast. That's her checking off right yeah. now. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. So what? Let's let's just go over um, some of like well, first. What inspired this hundred list? Yeah, and then what have been some of your highlights um, that you've accomplished? And then what are a few that you look forward to that are on the cusp of reality? Sure. So I wish I could say that this idea was originally my own, but it's by a guy, I believe his name is Sebastian. He wrote a book called a hundred things. And his whole thing was that, you know, he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do for the rest of his life from like a career standpoint, but at least he knew that he could like wanted to do this thing and that thing and that thing. And it came for, it came into my life at a time where I was feeling pretty uninspired you know, when I was faced with like, you know, multiple career changes, I didn't, you know, I was a little bit lost. And so I started sitting down and writing out this list and I encourage everybody to do it. It's really a fun thing that people talk about having a bucket list, but who actually takes the time to write these things down? So, you know, uh, some of the things that are on my list that I've done, I rode in a hot air balloon. That was pretty rad to do. Uh, one thing that I'm looking forward to doing is hiking a 14er in Colorado. I would love to be on a, on a magazine cover too. That would be pretty cool. I would love to have them all written down. This is why it's so important to write them down. Um, one of them is to uh, own a piece of property in a foreign country. Mm -hmm. Well, I see these all coming true. So patience and they will be here um, sooner than you know, I'm sure. Thank you. Um, the final three questions I like to ask every guest is now. And these are all some pretty, pretty hard hitting uh, questions that I'm very excited to hear your input on. You shared so many great things. Um, so far, and it's been a real pleasure to learn more about your hero's journey and what got you to the amazing coach and human that you are today. And the first question is, throughout all of the highs and lows that is this journey of life, what has been the greatest life lesson that you've learned on your path that you feel called to share with us right here and now? When you realize that you can take complete control of the thoughts you think, you can change your world. And you know, going back to when I thought I was dumb, it wasn't only that, it trickled down into so many other things. So being able to you know, change your beliefs and change your thoughts is the most empowering thing you can do.
Oh, heck yeah. I believe that so much. Thoughts become things. Um, and it's also a feeling is a very big part of it as well. Thinking it and feeling it. And then we are truly able to change the realities we create, that we live, that we experience. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, the next question. In three words, um, they can be separate or a phrase. How would you describe the experience you're having on this earth? Fun, flowy, youthful. Fun, flowy, and youthful. Yes. Great. Um, for the final question, we're going to play around with time and we've visited your past a lot and we're going to fast forward into the future and we're going to be alongside um, a less useful in appearance, at least crystal large. She's going to be an 85 year old. We're going to be alongside the 85 year old Krista. Who is she? Where is she? What is she doing? And what is the legacy that she's left? on her time here on earth? What a question. <laughs> she is living in a different country where they speak Spanish. She's surfing every day. She's riding her bike. She's cooking for her friends. She's drinking a margarita out on her hammock. <laughs> Looking back and realizing that she had fulfilled her mission to be an inspiration to people to tell them that to never give up. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I want to stay with this 85 year old Krista for one moment longer. I want you to feel this 85 year old Krista in your heart. And I'm gonna bring us back to the present, the current moment. And that 85 year old Krista joins us. And she whispers a message in your ear. What does she share with you? Don't take your youth and life for granted words of wisdom yeah few of many shared today so i'm really grateful for all the wisdom you shared with me and everyone that will be listening to this conversation and no doubt people will be inspired thank you so much krista thank you it's been a real pleasure to reconnect and hear your story um for people wanting to work with you or further connect you have a website livinglargewellness.com you're also on instagram at large krista or if they want to find all about your music just the krista xoxo yes i have a mix and cloud too <laughs> mix out yeah so anywhere else i can send them where how can people find yeah, I mean, those are those are the two main ones. If people want to listen to my music, it's uh, I have a Mixcloud account and you can find me under Sister Krista XOXO. Amazing. 
Well, it's been a real pleasure to close every conversation. We bring our fist in for a digital fist bump, a union in the winner's circle, a choice that we could all make. Thank you so much. Thank you.